In my very first podcast, I speak to my dear friend Joe Malone, CBE, founder of Joe Loves. In this chat, we'll discuss the challenges of starting a new business a second time, overcoming personal challenges, looking after your team, and always looking for the next challenge. Joe, I know this is a podcast, so people can't smell this wonderful shop you've got, but it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, it wouldn't that be terrible if it if it didn't? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good old Christmas tree candle uh, burning at the moment. So uh, thank it's you. just thank fabulous. You. you must be so proud. This is just so unique, so wonderful. This is uh, so. This room here that we're sitting in is the studio where all creativity happens. So we're either making candles or painting people with fragrance. Um, and I had a whole uh, school in here last week of young women who are going on to do their A levels, learning about creativity. So it's a really it's a really special kind of little room. I can, having met all the staff that work here, they love it, don't they? It must be wonderful to have a job you love so much. I don't know if they love it all the time. Let's be really, really honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are, the, the team here, they're all kinds of different characters. And a lot of them have come from the stage. So they know how to perform, they know how to sing, they know how to dance, and they know how to have fun. And you know what, there's nothing worse than walking into a shop and people are miserable. Quite you've right. got to have a smile on your face, you've got to have a story to tell, and um, they're great at doing that. I bet that's part of your ethos, isn't it? I think storytelling, so we went, it's really funny, in the, in the last year we went back to what is this brand really about? Who are we really? And it came back to storytelling. And I said to them, if we tell stories morning, noon and night, and that's all we do, I promise you this business will go on and succeed, and it has. Fantastic. I mean, I don't know whether you have one of those moments where you pinch yourself when you wake up and you come into your store and you see how fabulous it is. Did you visualise this for yourself when you were starting out? Because you started out as a facialist, right? Yeah, I started out as a facialist, and... um, all through my life, my sort of school life, I was told that I'd never make anything of my life because I'm severely dyslexic. And um, you know something you can never believe mm. that's such a lesson in life. Never be defined by other people's opinions of you. I mean, you and I have both proved that. Absolutely. Uh, but yes, it takes some resilience, that though, doesn't it? And a bit of sort of inner confidence. I think as you get older, I, I mean, I couldn't care less now. I can't care less that I can't fill out a form, but yeah. I can create a fragrance that changes the world yeah. so what life takes away with one hand it will often give you back with another and I think for me um starting out I'm I still feel that very sort of ground feet on the ground grassroots working class girl that's made good and you're right I do pinch myself every I've certainly pinched myself this morning I can tell you and I just look at my life and I think that hard work that tenacity that self-belief and also being honest with yourself, you know, I've cried a lot of tears to get to be successful. Yeah. And I've smiled and, and laughed a lot. So, yeah. But isn't that life? Definitely. I mean, from being a, a facialist to selling your first business now to opening this mm. second one, how, how, what period of time is that? So I've been a shopkeeper 25 years. 25 actually. years. So it's my, it's my jubilee. I'm going to call it my golden year, I've decided. <laughs> and um, every year I buy myself a diary. And I choose the colour and I think, okay, this is going to be... So it's my red year uh, this year. And 2019, it's a golden diary. It's going to be a year just full of really amazing, incredible moments. So, um, but, you know, we all travel a journey, don't we? Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I want, what I want to know is when you when you were, you're working um, and you weren't in business and you have this idea, I presume, for fragrances and body oils, um, tell me about how that idea has turned into this multi-million pound business? 
So I started out in a skincare clinic, absolutely right, with 20 clients, and I would do their faces, and when they were having their treatment, I um, would make a little body lotion up with a scent in it. Now, no one taught me how to do that. I would just sit in my little kitchen that was a third of the size of this table here, it was tiny, and I'd sit with my little plastic jugs and I'd make it up and I'd smell it. And I thought everybody could smell like I smell. Well, as years have gone on, I've learned that my sense of smell is very, very precise um, and very concentrated. But at the time, I thought everyone could. And I'd make body lotions and I'd massage their arms. And these women would say, this is the most incredible smell. Can I buy some? So I'd make the first six bottles and then the next 12. And whatever I sold, whatever I made in that morning, I sold in the day. So every morning I'd get up at 5.36 and make the next batch and the next batch. Until one lady one day said, this is the most amazing product I've ever used, can I buy 100 bottles? And that was the point at which, and there's often that point in small businesses where you reach that crossroads. Now I could have very well turned around because I didn't have the money to fund 100 bottles. So I had to get on the phone, beg, steal and borrow and say to somebody, you know what, I promise I'll pay you, but I can't pay you in 21, 30 days, yep. can I pay you in 90? And every one of those suppliers said yes. And every one of those suppliers, I'm still in uh, a business relationship today. So we made those 100 bottles and off <coughs> they went. And they sat at a big dinner that a woman was holding. And it was 100, 100 very influential people. And within one month, 86 out of 100 wanted to buy the product. And that was the moment that the brand and the business was born. And it's, I mean, it's one thing seeing that opportunity and having a great product. It's another thing when you've got no business experience turning that into a business, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. How did you do it? Um, I made a lot of mistakes and I learned from my mistakes very fast. And I think, again, that is something that we need to realise today, that mistakes are part of success. They're often the doorstep because learning how not to do something in business is sometimes as valuable as learning how to get it right the first time. Mm. So, um, but I made a few really smart moves. I could see the hunger that was starting to build and I knew that I had to... The demand for the, the product. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, um, the demand for the product was getting greater and greater. My husband and I were only just married. So I was, I was in my 20s at this point. And it was funny, success was like getting bigger day by day. We could feel it. He was in the building industry and I was running this little skincare clinic, but I was working 18, 19 hours a day. Yeah. So things were starting to get a little, a little frayed. Um, everything that I am is very creative. I can see ahead of the game. I can visualize things. I know how to put things together, but I'm not really nuts and bolts of a business, I've got to be honest. So I was relying on a bookkeeper and I was relying on my husband on Saturdays and Sundays to, to show me the way. There's no shame in that though, is there? Because a lot of people think you have no. to know everything. Can you don't? If you don't know something, you get someone who does, I guess. And that was your attitude, was it? Um, well, it was great that he was my husband. Yeah. He was, so he was everything I wasn't. And when we, so when we started working together, he had, he came in one day, he was working for Higson Hill, the building contractor. So he was putting together how much is a bag of cement and bricks and everything, but it's no different. Yeah. You know, the, the principles of business and, and in that way is still the same. You just take one medium and you put in another. And he came in one day and I was making thousands of bottles of, I mean, when I say thousands, they were all lined up in Chinese, little white paper Chinese takeaway bags down the hall, ready to be picked at up. At home you were making This was all at home. There was no health and safety. There was no labelling. I was making them, sitting on the typewriter, dropping yeah. the label, sticking them on. And, um, oh, and those were the days. Oh, Karen, I long to go back yeah. to those days. I, do, I don't disagree. so precious. But anyway, he walked in 
And he said, oh my God, I can't stand this anymore. It's nine o'clock at night. He bought in a pizza to eat. He sat down to eat his pizza and it was all covered in fragrance where I dropped something on. And he then went to make a cup of coffee and all the bubbles came up over the top of the mud. And he went, if we don't change our life, I can't stay married to you. I mean, it was, a, it was that real crux moment. He said, that's it, I'm going to go and have a bath and we'll talk later. And all I could think about was, oh my God, I've just emptied uh, 100 bags of seashells into the bath. I'm sitting on my phone screaming as he got in there. It was, it was that really awful moment. So we decided that we would. We were two young kids. We had uh, no children at the time. We we had a, a very small mortgage, and we decided that he would quit his job and we would give it one year and see where we could go from there with the business. And it was the best decision I think he and I he and I made. And uh, within a year we had um, a shop. And we opened a little Wharton Street, and uh, and we learned shopkeeping. We didn't know anything about shopkeeping, and that's another lesson. Yeah, you don't have to know it all. Agreed. You just get in there, and and you and you get on with it. Yeah, and a lot of it's quite common sense, isn't it? The tissue. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is quite quite a lot of common sense, and a real desire. But I just want to go back a second. Let's get you your tissue. I'm gonna be a napkin from mm. back there. Is that a little red napkin? No. Sorry. Because I've been running on the street. And it's fine on the podcast. Tissue paper. In case you get that picture of my eyes. Let's, let's. You would do that. Mm. Is this your first one? Yes. Oh. Mm. I love doing podcasts. It's yeah. So... Okay, thanks so much, Lou. Right. Here we go. Okay. I now know what the sign language is, though, now. <laughs> So at school, with your um, dyslexic um, and being told you weren't do it, you weren't going to achieve anything. Yeah. What was it? Something in your upbringing? Something that made you believe in yourself? It's it's so funny you ask me that question because I'm at a point at the moment where I'm looking at this for the next generation, and um, so I've gone back to what those emotions were like when I was a young child. Um, what my pet, I came from a very working class background, lived on a council estate, Bexley Heath. My dad was a very brilliant creative man, he was an artist, he was a member of the Magic Circle magician, uh, but he was also a huge gambler. So he, there was this very eclectic, and my mum worked for Revlon and then went on to work in the skincare industry, but they were both very creative parents. And because we came from a background where everyone had to roll up their sleeves, I was taught to build. So I knew how to build something. I knew how to create it, package it, sell it. And I knew what profit was. So yep. although I was really struggling at school... Yeah, practical skills. I knew all the practicalities of how to um, how to make A and B and work together and make C and D was profit. So even though I didn't understand the, the sort of the nuts and bolts and the qualifications, so I've got no qualifications whatsoever. I never even finished school. I left school before. Why? Because I felt like I know how to do it. I know how to buy a hundred t-shirts yeah. and make it into, you know, cost me a hundred twenty and yeah. make a profit. Uh, and you know, the interesting thing is that I think if there's ever a time in this world today, that's what we need to teach children is how to build. Because not everyone was academic. I wasn't. I couldn't. I, I realised I was smarter than everybody else realised. But where was that going to get me? That wasn't going to get me qualifications. And then when I looked at an exam paper, all the, so J's and L's for me move around the page up, there's no tomorrow. So I spent my life chasing, trying to read something 
and I had to memorise everything, which of course you can't do in exams. Yeah. So when I came out of school, I had no qualifications, <clears throat> nothing, but I did have this ability to know how to build and how to put things together and how to sell. And so that was where I started. I mean, it's an incredible journey, really, when you think about it with your self-drive. You've taken all the positive things in your life, your creativity, your understanding of a profit, and you've, you know, you've used that to the forefront of your mind as opposed to focusing on the things you can't do. Mm. I think that's a really important lesson, don't you think? I think, I think we're living in a time right at this moment that I, and I feel, listen, I love creating fragrance and I love building business. But I love the fact of equipping the next generation. It's yeah. one of those real passions. This is your passion. Now. This is something that I feel more passionately than I think I have ever in my life about anything. And there are, there are people, I mean, my son is 17 years old. He's probably going to go to Harvard. I mean, in one generation, one generation, yeah. we changed the destiny through hard work, but opportunity. And I believe that every child should have an opportunity, not necessarily to go to Harvard, but the opportunity, as I was when I was that little girl, to know how do you build something, Joe? How do you put it together? How do you take an idea and make it reality? How do you put it into a business plan? How do you do all those things? And if we did that, you just imagine within a very short, within one generation, our family has probably changed and he'll go on, I hope, to create something and change the world. But I think every young person should have that opportunity. So are you thinking that that's something that schools should yes. put into the curriculum? Tell me, tell me a little bit about so what the idea is. In January 2020, the national curriculum is going to change slightly. It's going to have the well-being. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you know more about this than I do, please, please say. But from my understanding, um, the well, there was going to be a well-being segment that is added to the national curriculum. <clears throat> Um, you know, basically, because we're seeing these this generation of people come through who are suicide is, is increasing by 30%. You look at the, the knife crime that is mm. happening in our city today. It's a curse, isn't now, it? Now, I'm not excusing that. I'm not saying that, that, you know, this can solve... But I think this is part of a long-term, short-term um, solution that we need to start putting into practice now. So what I want to see is that from that, that we join forces with that change of the national curriculum in 2020, January 2020, and we add that entrepreneurialism is taught in schools from the ages of seven to 17, no matter what, it's almost just part of it. And, but we make it fun, yeah. we make it practical. So yes, you're learning English, mathematics, art, but what happens if we pull those together and what do you do with them, is what, what you're do saying. You, what yeah. do you do? How do you... Which is exactly what I was taught as a child. Yeah. So that when I left with no qualifications, I knew how to build. Yeah. Within five years, Karen, we will see a generation of young people that have value. Yeah. And say to themselves, do you know what? I don't have to do these other things. Ever because I know I've got an idea and how do I make that happen? Um, and I started the conversation, I don't know, about five months ago. I just wanted to see what the response was. And it's been phenomenal, right way across the board. Because what this will do is it will include everybody. No one is excluded here. It doesn't matter where you were born in the country, how much money your parents have, how smart you are. What this will do is this will engage every single child. And we will hand them a baton when they leave at 16, 17, 18, 19, whenever it is, that says, you are qualified to build. Imagine what that would do for our country, for um, that's, that sense of community. It is, and, 
and I am determined to make that happen. It is true, isn't it, that when you when you find something in life you love doing. I mean, they say that nothing is work unless you'd rather be doing something else. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure when you were doing your 18-hour days, there probably was nothing else you'd rather be doing because you were loving what you do. And it does start with having a passion and a bit of self-belief and believing in yourself and then actually thinking, you know what, I can do this. Um, and that starts to build that confidence and give yeah. people that, that view to be, as you say, the one thing both you and I really want is the next generation of women coming through that are changing perceptions, that are being financially independent, that are fulfilling their, the careers that they want and, and, and so deserve. And in, that, in turn, they'll be happy. Yeah, and, it, and it, we're not saying that this will, um, you know, this will take all the problems away. And we're not, we're not saying that at all. But this is part of a solution, and it doesn't have to cost a lot. Um, and part of my job will be to rally all the founders and creators across our country that have been able to build and work with the teachers, because I don't want the teachers to suddenly go, oh, another box to tick. Yeah, we need to work together as communities and take our best that we have to offer and go and share our stories within schools. I mean, that's exactly what we were doing. And it was very interesting the other day. It made me made, put tears in my eyes. It really did. And there was this uh, group of young women who came in and they wanted to learn about creativity and entrepreneurism. And one of them had decided to leave school. And I had said something within the hour that we spent together, which is never, ever, ever, ever quit. Find another way. Stand still. Walk backwards. Walk to the side. But don't quit. Don't quit. And she walked out of here and she said to her headmistress, I've decided I'm going to stay on. And I thought, if wow. I can affect... Wow, well, she has done my And I, I, walked, I walked in yeah. here, had tears in my eyes, and I thought, if I can change the life of one child in ten across this country with this initiative, working together, imagine, imagine the lives that would be changed and fulfilled and their destinies, you know, because we have the right to dream big. Yeah. And um, I think when you hear other people's stories of success, it you sort of, I mean, you must find that when you share your story. Yeah, yeah. But it is a lot about, it is a lot about resilience and hard work and being driven. And also that attitude of, well, if you don't try something, you'll never know. And you can't be afraid of the failure. Um, and you don't really know what you're capable of until you really push yourself. One of the things I'm really interested in knowing is when you talk about this never quit, there must have been times when it's been quite difficult for you. Can you remember any time when it's been difficult and what you did to overcome those difficulties? So I would say one thing, never quit on a bad day. Because you never quit on a good day, do you? No, that's very and true. That, and that's not to say, and, and quitting is how you interpret walking away from something. So building this second brand, Joe Loves, has been the hardest thing I have ever done. I thought it was going to be. A I want lot to come easier. on to why you did it, but let's hear the story first. So, building the first brand, I didn't know any different. Yeah. So, I just jumped off the edge of that mountain, and oh, you know, there were yeah. a few little bumps along the road. It was a different time, I was much younger, and there was no one else in the marketplace doing what I was doing. Now, 20 years on, 25 years on, Everybody, you know, we paid the way. There's a lot of entrepreneurs, yeah. people like Marcia Kilgore, yeah. myself. Um, all emulating Guitar, what you've done. Yeah. I mean, all of, all of these amazing women paved the way for the future for, for an, another generation to build. So, it, you know, it's a different time. Building the second brand, I thought it was going to be so much easier. No one knew I'd left the first brand in the first place. 
So there I was with Cream and Black, Box, Jo Malone, London, yep. over there. Jo loves, at that time was a red box, and I was Jo Malone, and, and no, I didn't create there, but yes, I did. And I was just, it was like, it, it was every single day was agony, and every single day I had that sense of regret. Should regret that you did it. Yeah, 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 every single day for about two years. And should, and, but by that point, I was too deep into it to just, if I'd left, I would have lost a lot of money. Yeah. And where, what else was I going to do? I yeah. was too, I was too old and, and selling my ways to, to move into another career, I felt. And I was too young to sit there. And do nothing. And do nothing. Yeah. So I was caught in that sort of, which a lot of, that happens to a lot of women and men, um, where they come to that point. And so I decided that the best thing was either to stand still and wait for the moment to pass, step back if I had to, but I had to keep on walking towards building a global brand, and that's what I did. So I took one step, continued to tell the story, and sometimes I would be the only person in the room that believed it as well. That was hard. That was hard. But I never... I get to the end of each day and think, okay... And I, I know so many SMEs will... This will really um, sort of make them feel, God, she really, it, she really doesn't know what it's like. And you think, one more day. Yeah. I'll give it one more day, one more yeah. day. And then you get to the end of the week, then you get to the end of the month. Now when I look back, I think if I had quit, I had robbed myself of an adventure yeah. that I would never have had. I yeah. would never. And that is part of building a business, of, of enjoying that in life, is, is that feeling of, okay, one more day. I'm going to give it one more day and just see where we are. And there are going to be people who say, but Joe, sometimes, you know, you do have to lay something down. You do. But you don't have to quit on everything that you've learned. Yeah. And it might be that running your own business or doing the things for yourself is not for you, but you can take what you've learned and that gift and say to yourself, I'm going to go and help somebody else build. So nothing is wasted in our lives. Nothing that we do and failure, we can take it, harness it and uh, move in another direction. But but never, you never walk away from everything. And when you had those dark moments where you thought, what am I doing this for? Do I need this? Is this going to work? Um, was it your inner voice that told you to keep going or did other people tell you to keep going? I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's who I am. I do. I mean, I, I have been told so many times in life that I shouldn't be where I am. I was told when I was diagnosed I find with that, cancer. I find that you shouldn't be where people telling you shouldn't be where you are. I find that that really upsets me. Does it? Yeah. Because um, you're a phenomenon. The things you've done are incredible. Well, I didn't listen to them. No, I know. But <laughs> I how awful! But how awful to be continually told, "Oh, you won't amount to much. This won't work. Don't do that." People, that's an entrepreneur, isn't it? You find a gap in the market. You can sell what your service is, and you don't listen to those well-meaning people that say, "Oh, it's too risky. Oh, don't try to do it." And you're prepared to learn on the job. I think that's sort of what you're saying, isn't it? There are always people in life that want to pull you down. There will always be people that don't agree with you. You can either live your life believing them or you can accept that they have their opinion and move on. But it's really funny is those are always the people that want to shake your hand first. Yeah. So you've got a glass of champagne in your hand and you're sitting there and can I have a photo? That's, that's just part of life. And what do you do? Just ignore them, put them out of your... They're just not in your um, bubble, are they? Not in your space. I, a lot of the time I don't... 
I don't want to remove them from my life so that it's unreal, you know, because sometimes listening to those people, you can, you can, you know, wander off and do things that, that yeah. perhaps are not smart. But, uh, so I will listen, but at the majority of the time I kind of move away, I kind of focus my life on the people that I like to be around and the counsel that I listen to often are those people that will love me. Yeah. And, but I have had, you know, really good friends sort of pull me up. Yeah. Um, my, one but, of my they're really, but really good friends do that, don't they? One of my really dear friends is a lady called Jane Moore. And oh, I love Jane. Jane Moore tells me more times how positive and whatever, but every now and again she's pulled me up and said, you know what, Jane, do you need to think about this? Now, if she says it, I sit back and I think she's got a point. Yeah. Because she loves me. Yeah, She agreed. wants the best for me. Yeah. And good friends are like mothers. <laughs> they only want the best for you. So when they're telling you something, it's not to upset you or put you down. It's just to help you. And and sometimes, you know, your head's down in business and you're beavering away and you're heading towards... And you make mistakes. But again, that's... I think making... We're so terrified in this society to make a mistake. Or be or, judged. Or yeah. be... Well, everyone judge, is judging yeah. everyone at the minute. Yeah. Everybody. And just let's just take a moment and realise that, you know, that it just no one's perfect. You know, we're trying to be this perfect person, we're trying to be a perfect mother, we're trying to be a perfect... But it doesn't exist. No, I agree. It doesn't exist. I agree. And so we're all chasing something that we think is reality and it's making us unhappy. Just sit back and realise, you know what, just give it your best shot. Yeah, and I think inner happiness is also important, isn't it? If you're happy with what you're doing and the choices that you're making mm. and, you know, if you know you're a good mother... I mean, one of the things that I think is amazing through building all these brands, you've had a family and you've obviously had to face cancer. Yeah. I mean, did that make, obviously it made it more difficult, but how did you find the resilience to, to come through the other side? Cancer taught me a lot. It, it really did. And I actually, in the last year, the lessons have come back to, um, not, not because I've been re-diagnosed, thank goodness, but the lessons I learned in that year have come back. I really had to rely on that that strength again. I think I am a resilient person. I think I, you know, I'm not frightened to stand, and and I'm not frightened for people not to like me. Either. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think that's very, part very of important it. in 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 building a business. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I was <laughs> in my thirties, late thirties, and I was given nine months to live, and my son was three. And I promise you, at that moment when I was diagnosed, I didn't care about any of this. Yeah. I didn't care about the order, nutmeg condition, none of it mattered. The only thing I wanted to see was my son grow up. And that, I, I kind of fo focused my mind on, I will survive to, to get through this. Um, but, you know, being given this sort of, <laughs> this timeline was awful. Because of course, when I hit over the nine months, it's like, well, I remember that first day over that nine months and I thought, I'm still alive. Listen, half my body was gone, my hair was gone, yep. I was really poorly. But you were alive. But I was alive. Yeah. And I fought through that chemo like uh, like a warrior. I really, I think of myself as a bit of a warrior. You know, I put on and I fight. And every single day, and the doctor said to me, the only one that can survive this will be you. We can help you, we can, but you have to keep your mind focused. And I did, and I would just walk towards every single day. I'd tick off the chemo calendar, and of course I did all of my chemotherapy, all of my surgery. <laughs> I remember that day, and I said, oh God, thank God it's over, and they said, no, we have to do it all over again. And again, life changes. Yeah. And, it, you know, sometimes when you're heading towards something, it's not your right that you're able to grasp that. Sometimes you have, in order to get there, you have to move to the left and to the right, you have to go back, 
and I had to go back and I had to do that chemo all over again. And by the end of it, I was taking chemo every, I think, five to six days. And it was grueling. It was absolutely grueling. But I remember that last day and I sat with my wonderful doctor, Dr. Larry Norton, who I adore him, absolutely adore that man. And I said, is it over? And he said, it's, it's over. Now go back and live your life. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I think life is like that. I think it's incredible because I had a brain um, aneurysm and I had to have brain surgery. And I remember at the time, the only thing that mattered to me was seeing my children grow up, thinking I won't walk my daughter, you know, won't see her walk down the aisle, I won't see my grandchildren, or thinking that someone else might bring up my children. And it really is a powerful emotion, isn't it? Yeah. It really, I'm crying, <laughs> I'm crying thinking about it because I remember thinking... If some, I can't have this taken away from me under any circumstances. So I, I know, I know, I know exactly how you feel. Oh, we're both getting upset. And it is important that when that happens to you, that you do think about your life going forward and the meaning yeah. that it has in it. And actually that you want to do the things you want to do and you want to enjoy them. Mm. And you have to cut out all of the things that yeah. are negative and a distraction. And actually, they don't matter. When, you act, when it all boils down to it, when you faced that situation, it doesn't matter, does it? Isn't it funny, though, it's typical, you even just saying that, that when, you come, when I came out of it, that was exactly when my mindset was, and yet, over the years, I've allowed... Yes, no, I agree. It does chip away a little bit, yes. And, and I've come back to that point. Yeah. That, that's, and it's like, you know what? I, I don't want to be around people yeah. that make me feel bad about myself. Yeah. No, I have to tell you, I have held on to that. That has mm. been the main focus of my life. And I made a decision at that point that, you know, very often someone asks you to do something and you say yes, but you actually really mean no. And, you, and then you try and work out a million reasons what, how to get out of Syria. I made a decision that I would say yes when I wanted to do something and no when I didn't. Mm. And it didn't matter yeah. to me, you know, who, who that affected or why it affected it. It mm. was going to be my life mm. that um, I was going to lead. And I do remember my doctor saying the same thing to me. I sort of broke mine down to accepting I had the diagnosis, choosing the treatment I had to have, having the treatment, recovering from the treatment, and then getting on with my life. And that's exactly what my doctor said to me. Yeah, I know. Survivors of life. I know. And, but, went, but went on to fulfill a, carry on fulfilling your dreams. Yeah. And I think that in itself, I mean, not everyone is going to go through what you and I Yeah. Do, but they might go through a divorce. Agreed. Or a loss of a child. Yeah. I mean, I mean for me, that, that will be far worse. I agree. I'd rather anything happen to me than anything happen to my kids. But you, but it just shows that, so that resilience you're talking yes. about, that survival instinct and picking up and, yeah. and being able to, I mean, smile and laugh again. Yeah. And, and it took me a while to learn to yeah. laugh again. Yeah, but no, I, I, I don't disagree. And I do, I genuinely do think that before success... Sometimes you get temporary defeat. Sometimes you get total failure. And it's actually what you do when that happens to you that sort of maps and plots your path forward. And don't you think that sometimes just being able to sort of find your backbone, stand up, grit your teeth and keep going is a really important part of you I know, success. And I do think what's important is when you get through it, you pat yourself on the back. Agreed. Because again, so many, we, you know, we get through... And then we're on to the next thing. Agreed. You know what? Just take a break. Yeah. That, that, in my life, that's what I've learned more in the last five years, is I spent all my life, okay, and on to the next. And, and I never treasured the moment. Yeah. And I regret that a bit. That's, that's one of my regrets. I don't have many regrets. That is one. But now I really treasure 
the moment. And you've got a big moment coming up, haven't I you? Have. <laughs> Your Yay! CBE. Friday. It's brilliant. I, I had, I, I got mine I got, uh, quite a while ago. It is the most amazing day. It is a day for real celebration, to feel really proud of yourself. I have my family there, friends. Oh. It's just incredible. Tell me, tell me about it. How did you find uh, out? Well, I was having a really awful day at work. I was, I was struggling with a lot of things and I had pitched for a, contract which is nothing to do with fragrance and I because I, I feel like there is there's something else within me that is really another business I can feel, well I don't know there's another business it's just something else another that passion I'm able to do yeah. yeah and this would have given me the opportunity to do it and I came in second so I lost and I was devastated yeah and I'd worked so hard so I went home uh, made myself a cup of tea had a good old cry about to walk the dog and I noticed on the kitchen table there was a letter that said Downing Street open urgently and I thought oh no what do they want now <laughs> yeah. that was the yeah. first thought that came into my head so I open it and I think oh my god this has come to the wrong person and I read it again and yes it's definitely come to the wrong person and you know how cruel is life and then I read it and I thought oh my god it's not it's me it, and I had to read it again and again and again I walked the dog and I just I just couldn't believe that this had happened to me at a time where I really, I really needed something to say, it's okay, Yeah. you're getting there, Yeah. you are getting there, you just keep one foot in front of the other. And uh, then I couldn't, of course you can't say anything, so yeah. I told my son and my husband, Yeah. and Josh, Josh goes to me, well if you think I'm calling you commander, you can think again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to Lancaster House uh, just before the announcement, and that was a really magical moment. Uh, and I just feel really, I feel privileged. I feel, all those years ago when I got my MBE, I felt that was really for me. Yeah. I feel my CBE, now I have to really do something for my country. I yeah. feel that very strongly. And I feel this educational thing yeah. is part of that. Um, haven't got a hat yet, haven't got anything. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about all of that. But um, I remember my son said to me, well, what does it mean? And I said, well, commander of the British Empire. He said, well, who are you commanding? I said, no, it's not a job. It's, it's an honour. It's a medal. And he was like, I don't understand any of this. Mm. So uh, the families say the funniest things, don't they? But it is such a fabulous day. You, your family must be so proud of you. They, um, well, I feel it's very collective as well. I feel yeah. I wouldn't be where I am without yeah. all of the celebrations. In fact, we were going to do a big dinner and um, my, my son fences for Great Britain. And we... He's got, got something on that, yeah. We're running from the palace. Yes. I'm doing <laughs> on straight to Gatwick yeah. Express. Yeah. Uh, but isn't that life? Yeah. And, and we'll celebrate, you know, with, in probably, you know, Wagamama's. Um, yeah, in, I love Wagamama's. In Gatwick. Yeah. Uh, but that is part of being a family and celebrating and yeah. bringing together. But I am going to have a moment where we celebrate this year because my team have worked so hard. Because they've not given up. Yeah. You know, and there, there was a moment in this business where I was I was looking at the funding and thinking, there is not enough money for salaries. Yeah. I mean, it was that close and it was, what do we do? And I picked up, did speaking engagements all the way around the world and put enough... To in. generate the money to... Yeah. yeah. To, uh, I mean, now we're, we're well through that. Yeah. And uh, this business is succeeding and flourishing. But there was that really horrible moment. And I looked at their faces and I thought, their mortgages, yeah. like, they rely on me. Yeah. Put food on the table, but, pay keep a room. I can't. Head. I've got to think of another way. And, yeah. And um, anyway, it's... Again, we eventually... And often business does. Business goes through cycles. It goes... It's like riding one of those... 
big surfing waves, isn't it? Yes. And then you come back in and you're flat enough there and you've got to pick it up and, you know, wade out again and yeah. then you come again. Um, so I think... I think I've got to celebrate this moment in some way. 100%. We're all, we're all off to Motown for our Christmas party, <laughs> um, which will be really fun. And I just, you know, they, they're an amazing group of people. What What is the one, I know this, I hate asking questions like this because it's not one ever one thing, but if I'm a young woman and I'm quite creative like you or not, and I'm thinking of setting up my own business, mm. Um, what's the one bit of advice you think that someone needs to needs to know? Something, one thing they need to focus on. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it is one thing. But I think the the spirit really of what we're talking about is you need passion for your product. Uh, you need passion. You, you find the thing that makes you that you're really good at. Yeah. Because that's the thing that will make you happy. Don't be frightened of tough times. The resilience, um, embrace it because this will tip, they'll put business muscle on your shoulders and every time you succeed in something you'll push your way through, it will never defeat you again. That's that's what resilience means. And I think ultimately the respect of creativity. I don't believe your own creativity. Yeah. I believe it's a relationship. And the more you invest in that currency of creativity, the more that you will see. It will never devalue, unlike other currencies in the world that won't devalue. So invest in it, invest with your teams, respect it. And when it whispers in your ear, listen, because it's trying to teach you something and take you on a journey. So I think those three things are, are vital. And enjoy the journey. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said, which is not unusual, Joe, because you're such an inspiration to people. To me, I think I'm so proud of you, if I can, without saying of getting your CPE and everything you've done here. I, I think it's amazing. Um, I, it's such a pleasure. Thank you, thank thank you so you, much. Thank you. thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you're able to find something useful to help you in your journey reaching your ambition. I always love hearing about your successes, so please follow my social links as I read and respond to every single message. It would also mean so much to me if you could share this podcast with your friends or anyone you feel would benefit as we look to make positive change for the future.